Just a quick intro. My name is Brian. With a lot of the world events going on right now, I've been reaching out to friends, touching base, listening to different podcasts, finding out what's out there to get information in a world that's pretty skewed with right and left politics and never really knowing what's going on. But uh, felt like it was a good time to get together with some friends. Reach out to my good friend Alfonso, lives in Seattle, has a very different background than I have, but uh, him and I have been friends for years. Reached out, put this podcast together to try and go over some of the events from different perspectives. Hoping over the next couple weeks to reach out to friends that have different perspective on the world and talk about various subjects. So thanks for listening. Let us know what you think. We'll try to put out content about every week. Thanks. You, I don't know, you want to fire away and tell the story about how we started hanging out and chatting? I guess it was at Jen and Craig's the first time, right? Uh, I, I believe Jen and Craig invited you over to my house uh, for oh, the first right. time. And um, I remember having, um, because that was one of my dream jobs when I was younger, so I was pretty fascinated with the fact that you were a pilot. And uh, yeah, it was... Um, we eased in the conversation really well. And uh, when I remember distinctly, we had a conversation about um, my two-stroke scooter and remembered that you corrected me when, you know, because the reason why I bought it initially was for fuel efficiency, right? But it wasn't good for the environment. Cause it, it's, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, and I was like, well, damn it, he's right. Yeah. And, I, and, and I, you know, I respected that. That, that um, was a defining moment, strangely enough, as little as that was for me. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing that I remember was the uh, conversation that started or just about sci-fi and Orson Scott Card, which is kind of uh, ironic oh. because the one thing you pointed out, with it's kind of relevant to today's events and stuff we might talk about here later. It's just like, I think the guy was kind of a political asshole, depending on how you look at it, the the aisle or whatever. But yeah, I think mm-hmm. it was funny how you were like, yeah, he's a good artist, but I don't really like his politics. And I think that was something that always hung over me when I would look at his stuff. You know, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, he he's, uh, I think he's pretty conservative and whatever. I, I haven't followed it in recent years, but it's funny how people don't really think about who they're, uh, you know, supporting and that kind of stuff. And I guess you kind of need to take people's, art and their talent away from that but when they kind of use that absolutely but when they take that platform i think that's what blows me away you know i think even like if you look at like a stephen king and people like that like he definitely uses his platform but i think maybe it's more if it's closely aligned with how we personally feel that it's like yeah good for him and then if they're not we're like man shut that guy up so oh absolutely yeah Yeah. you know that that's the thing that i've really been trying to work on is my my own personal cognitive dissonance about certain shit yeah. Like, um, you know, I, I do believe in, in free speech and the whole idea of people being able to, you know, live the live their life the way they want to, as long as you're not hurting anybody. Like, if you are a, a white supremacist, fucking fine. You know, just, you know, as long as your ideology doesn't involve like racial cleansing, I could give a fuck. Because yeah. as far as I'm concerned, that that's a preference. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, when I was younger, I didn't like Asian women because my mom, she was a really pretty Asian lady. So every time I saw an Asian woman, I would be like, oh, you're hot, but <laughs> you're trying to remind me of my mom. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that was off the table. Uh, you know, I've, I'm going out of that. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's one of those things that, um, yeah, you, you when you start to get perspective on it, because everything's not black and white. There's so much variance in um in gradient in regards to how you can approach a thing yeah and i think that that i don't know if i want to call it an art because i think it's common sense but it's kind of lost on a lot of people and it's it, it's pretty frustrating in a lot of ways but yeah and I, I, I remember back and now we're kind of digressing from this but i remember it was a very early on civics class or whatever and, and basically the explanation of your rights and my rights just like 
your my rights extend to the end of the tip of my knuckle when I put my fist out to punch you in the nose. But the minute <laughs> I make contact, then all my rights are thrown away because I'm in your space. It's like I can stand there and then like you know do like skyboxing all day long. Mm -hmm, and and mm -hmm. that's kind of a, a metaphor for, you know, people running their mouth. They can run their mouth. That's all, you know, but, mm -hmm. you know, um, we talk about that a little bit later with just how, uh, you know, people get offended and stuff like that. But oh, yeah, at the sure. end of the day, um, that, but why don't you throw out a little intro, like kind of tell your background, you talked about your mom and whatnot, um, just to kind of touch base. Oh, sure. Sure. So, uh, I am the product of my dad, um, going overseas, being stationed in Korea and met my mother. And, you know, it's interesting to, um, you know, knowing what I know now, just how complicated all those things were. Like the fact that there was a, a, a level of acceptance between my mother and father at the time. Cause, um, if, if I were to get to the brass tacks of what my mom's goal was, was to get the hell out of Korea. Mm -hmm. um, and in order to do that, she had to, uh, you know, she hooked up with the GI because that was the easiest way for someone to, you know, elevate themselves out of that society or, you know, out of that country. Um, the cool thing that came out of that was the fact that my mother's family, uh, more specifically, my grandfather, uh, was quite accepting of my dad, um, which is surprising on multiple levels. One, he was American. Two, he was black. Um, and the fact that he's in, you know, family pictures, the, my mom or excuse me, my grandfather would, um, take me out. And when my hair started to curl, he would shave it all off. <laughs> and so just to, cause then I would just look like a tan little Korean baby. Yeah. Nobody would, you know, think <laughs> twice about it. Right. Right. But yeah, that, that's pretty progressive for, you know, 1971, 72. Yeah. Um, and there was, I think a renaissance time for my, my parents where they really were in love and, um, you know, they, they were working on things, but, um, my dad had a lot of depression and like his lifestyle completely clashed with my mother's culture. And, uh, as I said, there are overall, and this is a generalization, but, um, Koreans, in the seventies and eighties, nineties, and maybe some today, they're just as racist as anybody else, man. And yeah, they, they, my mom at, at one point in my life, I remember when my father and my mom split up, I brought a black friend home and <laughs> she was like, why are you hanging out with him? And in my head, I want to say, mom, there was a black dick in you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you, you do? <laughs> but yeah, and that whole like scenario was so alien, right? right. And uh, but it was a lesson, you know. It was a lesson. It, it, yeah, I had to separate, you know, what my mom's ideology was versus and how that kind of came to the fore um, and eclipsed how she felt about my father, right? Yeah. Um, and that has evolved and changed, um, like seeing all the different stages of, you know, with my father dying um, from a motorcycle accident and seeing the regret her, her verbal, like actual um, cry of, man, I, I treated him badly. He would, you know, essentially my dad would have done anything for her. Um, and yeah, the regret was palatable and it was, it was hard to watch, but you know, it, in some ways it was, um, it was a, uh, gosh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Eye opening? Yeah, well, yeah, it was like an evolution for her. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's unfortunate that I took my dad's death for her to, like, kind of come to terms with that. But, yeah, it was all pride. That's what it was. She, it's like she shed this, this, uh, this cloak of pride that kept her from just accepting him. Yeah. And, um as I've gotten older, you know, going through depression myself and knowing that my father had it, um, the, uh, the biggest takeaway from all of the, you know, uh, the 
therapy that I've done and studying on cognitive behavior is like taking ownership of your own shit because that's all you can control. Right. Yeah. So ultimately, um, being black and Korean living in America was a unique experience because I didn't have a, a culture crutch to, to lean on because everybody hated me. <laughs> and, and, and I lived in the South, man. Yeah, blacks didn't like me, Koreans didn't like me, whites didn't like me. It was, right. yeah, it was nuts. So I, I turned to to um, Christianity. I was a Southern Baptist, but that whole, and it was good for me. Uh, you know, I, I think that it helped with kind of getting my, um, aligning my, my moral compass um, to a degree because I was just kind of floating around because my parents really weren't involved, right? But um, I definitely did not subscribe to the fire and brimstone methods of how Southern Baptists go about things because it's literally like you do this or you're going to burn in hell, you know? Yeah, so, yeah everything's black and white in so many yeah. different ways. <laughs> exactly, right? So like if you're, if they're Buddhist, they're burning in hell. If you're yeah. gay, you're burning. You know, yeah. You're, <laughs> you're going to burn for eternity. Yeah. So, I wasn't all about that, man. Um, I would actually witness the people because I was, I liked them and I was scared for them. That, that was a thing that I did for a while. And then, um, yeah, I'm, it, um, I'm not a Southern Baptist anymore. Right. For sure. Yeah. It's, uh, definitely more spiritual. I think there's a lot of beauty in the world, but, uh, I'm, I'm not going to go off and make my own religion, man. I have no idea what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Personally, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's but, many out there for sure. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it's, I, um, yeah, I'm still growing. Fuck. I'm almost 50, bro. Yeah. I'm almost 50. And I, I still feel like I'm, um, getting used to being in my own skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and all that you're saying, I mean, that was a lot of the reason when I started like pondering all this. You're like the first person or the only person I reached out to in Facebook about what was going on in the world a little bit because I felt like, man, this guy has had, and we kind of had that in multiple conversations. I think we chatted in Denver a little bit about this and stuff mm-hmm. when we met for beers. But it's like, because it's funny because I think you're the you're the epitome of dealing with a lot of this stuff, having seen it from different angles, and I'm like the other side of the spectrum, like the the yin and the yang of this conversation. Oh, um, for sure. You know, it's it's funny. I you know I grew up in the Midwest, always mm-hmm. surrounded with like zero diversity, um, and absolutely you know grew up with very liberal parents. So I was you know my parents kept me on the straight and narrow um, right. from that kind of negative stuff because they're you know. I, I always say it's a negative thing to say, but I, I feel like civil rights movement, all it did in most of the country was put it in the closet and being a white guy, people look around the room and be like, all right, there's nobody up here in here of color. So let me go ahead and tell my uh, black joke or whatever. So like mm-hmm. it, it didn't go away. It's not different. No. It's, it's, it's been sitting there. Just, we just got to, you know, I heard jokes with the N word through mm-hmm. and through throughout Obama's first run. And I'm like, Again, wow. I, I'm the guy in the room that mm-hmm. looks like everybody else. I don't agree with it. I think my mom right. would say that I have some uh, racial tendencies just because of different stuff. And I can tell you where some of that comes from. We can maybe get into <laughs> that at some point. But it was just basically sure. stuff that happened in my childhood that made right. me think of a certain race a certain way um, mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, yeah, it's like I'm kind of the opposite. I was like around all the kids telling me uh, – the black jokes and the, the racist jokes and the set and the other. And it didn't really resonate. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure at times when I was just a, you know, a typical middle schooler, I was telling those jokes, but um, mm-hmm. at some point it just was like, okay, I think, like I said, when, when the Obama election was going on and stuff was going, signs were going up and I had, you know, some younger friends in their early twenties and I was in my thirties. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, I was hearing this stuff and I'm like, man, it's not gone. <laughs> it is not mm-hmm. gone. No, changed, <laughs> no mindset. <laughs> It's like we don't we don't see the best candidate. We say, you know, let's let's dumb it down to talk about color and things like that. So, Indeed. yeah. So that's kind of me, you know, grew up in that. And then I bounced around a lot with um, work. I've been all over this country. My job has taken me from Florida to Kentucky to 
wow. South Dakota to Iowa to Wisconsin to DC mm-hmm. to I lived in Colorado, lived in Vegas, mm-hmm. lived in California. So oh, being Lord. that I came from all that, you know, I, I've also traveled and I've also traveled the world because I think there's something to be said for getting out of Dodge and understanding that the world is not, you know, end at the city limits um, and things mm-hmm. like that. So being that I come from where I come from, I think I've seen the world and it's opened my eyes a little bit, but I still, like I said, when I reached out to you, I was still a bit confused about where all this fits and how somebody like you sure. that I've been, you know, pretty much considered a friend from with about five minutes of our conversation and, <laughs> and whatnot. And that, you know, that happens. I meet a lot of people. And like I said, you're, you're on the short list of people that it's always like, man, what's he up to? How's things going and whatnot. And then when we connected on the other front the last couple of days about stuff going on mm-hmm. in our lives, it's just, it's a lot, but yeah, I think that this is the kind of dialogue like you and I maybe wouldn't have met 500 years ago, but we did. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, let's, let's have a progressive conversation. Um, Cause some of the stuff I was maybe going to touch base and talk about, like, you mm-hmm. know, the black lives matter stuff and the COVID and all that. It's like, mm-hmm. we don't have leadership from any side really. No. I, mean, I, I think that, um, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of good podcasts out there lately just saying, you know, everybody wants to stand their ground, pick their side. And no matter what the other uh, avenue has for, for answers, it's like, oh, you, mm-hmm. that came from that side. So we're not even going to think about it. So it's such a polarized world. Um, I'm oh, ho- for sure. hopeful that something like this and conversations in the future can kind of be like take off and people kind of do this. Because you can't, you can't see a tweet and figure out the world. You can't, you can't see a three minute segment on CNN and figure out the world. You, you gotta, no. like, you gotta like talk it out. And I think this is what, you know, it's kind of that conversation of uh, society and, you know, how over time, I think great societies, you think look like Rome and stuff like that. They were screwed up towards the end, but they, they went for years, I think, cause they actually, you know, had long conversations and their Congress right. and things like that was actually talking mm-hmm. about the things instead of like, you know, they, there was probably tons of corruption. Corruption's as old as time, but uh, you know, I think it was a little bit more dialogue. And then people on the streets, oh, people on the streets were engaged in talking about it. So, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, this the idea for this podcast was just to kind of link up with you. Maybe in the future, we can grab some other voices in on this and and have these chats that, of people that kind of have ideas on things that are going on because it's not it's not gonna get any better if everybody stands in their corner and uh i think we're at a big turning point you know we just had so so much go on at one time absolutely Um, i completely agree you know i think that uh dialogue needs to happen the uh and we have to be um open to not even so much criticism but being able to listen and try to put yourself in the other person's shoes the I, i think that um Having that conversation with you, like being, being in, like being open to being wrong, and and then just and letting that go, you know, that that was a skill that I was just learning, and you calling me out on that was oh, just perfect. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, yeah. It, and, and I, you know, I could, my ego was hurt a little, but I was, but I'm more interested in the truth than my ego. Yeah. You know, and overall, and that's to me. And it's also the way that you delivered it. You know, you didn't do it in a in a malicious way. You're just matter of fact about it. Yeah. Um, and I think that the um, yeah, you, you kind of get the the gist of what someone's intentions are just through um, well time and conversation. But uh, yeah, it was you weren't trying to you know establish yourself as like a better or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. and that that was the impression that i got i mean you were a cordial open-minded person that had similar interests like anybody that's into cool sci-fi shit you know usually has to have some level of uh like what's the word i'm looking for well i think the creativity you got to see beyond like the the basics of you know people that i talk to like oh sci-fi it's a little weird it's like because they don't have an imagination it's not right it's not happening right now so they're like how could that how can you fathom that it's like well mm-hmm. some of the smartest people have a great imagination so that's, absolutely that's, that's what it takes but um yeah Very true. I, I think that's kind of you know what i was feeling about a lot of this stuff i mean we can roll right into it and see how it flows but like i said i think the current thing that i reached out to you about was uh, you know the the current movement um with the protests and things like that because my 
my strong feeling was like, okay, this is a lot of energy, um, mainly from the perspective of we could be putting that energy towards the communities, but that's kind Mm -hmm. of evolved lately. And it's again, something exclusive to me because of the community I live in and what I grew up with, you know, Mm -hmm. seeing all the rich white kids in my community, like putting up signs, like handmade signs in their like front yards and stuff like that. It's like, it seems it's like so trendy for them to be supportive. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen them walk away. uh, There's in, I live in one of the more expensive areas in the Bay area and these kids are walking away at the protests. It's like, what did they really change their life? Cause they don't, they don't still don't have to worry about where their food comes from. They don't have to worry about having nice things or whatever. So it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of like blind support as far as I'm concerned. And that's where kind of segue to what I was saying. Why aren't these people mm-hmm. taking 20, 30 people and then going down to a food kitchen and like, making food and, and looking at the faces in these communities where this stuff comes up um, Absolutely. to make a better place. Cause um, you know, again, to blindly say from that same standpoint, you know, I, I support um, that these officers shouldn't do, you know, bad things to bad people. Again, that's mm-hmm. because nobody's getting arrested in their town. That's because, cause that's kind of where I wanted to go with that a little bit is the, the reality of like, these guys have to have some ability to control a situation um, mm-hmm. and I think it has a lot to do with education. I think it has a lot to do with that job is not what it used to be. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, but at the end of the day, um, yeah, we need to not defund, but either. Oh, come I up, completely agree. Come up with some yeah. sort of community policing and, mm-hmm. and fund these fund the right amount of people. But then on the other side of that, don't let people get to 12, you know, uh, 12 problems and still not have any sort of a termination from that. I mean, oh, absolutely. That's, but again, they, the problem being, it's not a high paying job. It used to be, it messes people up pretty bad. Um, mm-hmm. And the good guys end up out of there. So right. I, I don't know where, where that looks like, but for me, it's not that I don't agree that they're making mistakes, but you know, definitely walking away from the current model is not a, a reasonable you can't just shut everything down tomorrow and then hope for the best you're gonna have oh absolutely a, a not. huge absolutely pa- not. A huge power vacuum and that's i was explaining that to my 12 year old daughter talking about a power mm-hmm. vacuum and how you know places like iraq where you know mm-hmm. we walked away and then of course you know somebody's got to be the boss and if you pull up let's say you defund the oakland police department what do you think mm-hmm. oakland will be like in like a month you know oh no that would be outrageous so absolutely outrageous but you know what we kind of have in america now um is kind of a reverse 1984 as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, the whole idea of big brother watching, right? Yeah. It's a, li- it's a little brother watching big brother. Like everybody has a phone. Like everybody is filming anything that goes down. Like if a cop acts a fool, more than likely it's going to be caught on video. Yeah. Like it's, and a lot of the police officers that, you know, the, and I'll be the first one to say that some of, I think a lot of people are eh, maybe overreacting to certain things, but, um, but that's, if I were to take certain things and kind of put them in a vacuum like that, that gentleman that was um, shot and killed in Georgia, I believe, the right. one that went and grabbed that person's taser and ran off and then got shot and killed, mm-hmm. right? So I don't think that guy should get the death penalty or, or excuse me, should be, I think it should be manslaughter. Right. right. I, I think his um, situation, situational awareness wasn't where it needed to be. Whoever shot him, like, uh, especially if the um, if it was the same officer that lost his taser. Yeah. Uh, if because if it was a taser, he should have said he only has a taser and, and not have used or discharged his firearm. Right. But that, that, that being said, he has the right to defend himself. And I don't think that that was any form of murder. I think at, at the worst, maybe lose his job, manslaughter. Um, but like what, I mean, it, it's, I think the unfortunate thing for that guy was all this shit that kind of happened right before all, you know, that particular scenario happened. You know, nobody's getting a pass. Yeah. Not and, anymore. And that's the thing, because I think that a lot of this, I'm hearing it again and again, of course, in support of the police, but 
the reality is they're not getting any training in use of force. They're not getting any training in any sort of cognitive, what you talked about earlier with cognitive and mm-hmm. being aware of what you control. Like in general, if you throw somebody in a quick three week police academy and then they don't have anything stressful for like a year and a half and mm-hmm. then they go to work one day and they didn't get any sleep or whatever. And then that just happens to be the time that all of yep. a sudden your heart rate's 180 beats per minute mm-hmm. and your adrenaline's you can taste it in your mouth and it's like, Oh man, this is like not worth my $35,000. And like all this is running through your head. And it's like, I don't, you know, don't, uh, definitely don't don't envy them. Yeah. I don't envy that or say, okay, you can do whatever you want. Like the gentleman uh, from the whole controversy that started all this. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. like that. Nobody's really backing that, but that's just bringing other stuff to light. And, uh, um, for sure. I think the other one, it's funny what you were talking about the phones because I had an experience the other day and it's kind of, more of what I was talking about with the people of privilege. I don't know where this person came from. All I know was I was leaving my daughter's yearbook pickup and we're leaving. And I see like probably four cop cars down the street from my daughter's middle school. And Mm -hmm. I see what looked to be, again, I'm in a racial profile. She looked to be uh, just a white woman, but Mm -hmm. there was an Asian woman standing kind of at an angle, like videotaping. Well, the white woman had been pulled over in her Honda Civic and she was flailing her arms and whatever. Mm. And I knew my radar is telling me she's just trying to like play the game. You know, the cops pulled her over for running the red light. And Mm -hmm. then she had like the, you know, her virtue signaling was like flowing out of her. And she's like, I'm going to make a point, you know, go, go, go get your phone out and tape this. So there's like five officers standing around, just literally staring at this woman. Nobody's Mm -hmm. engaging her. They know she's not a threat, but it's like, Mm -hmm. so why do those officers have to have that? Because that's the other side of this whole protesting and everybody's, you Mm -hmm. know, got their camera out and stuff like that. It's like, everybody thinks they're going to be a victim because they've convinced themselves of that. And then it's like, again, right. So this is entering into all five of these guys minds, like for mm-hmm. the next time, you know, their, their little, uh, you know, resource kit they're going to use in their brain when they got to engage it again. Mm-hmm. They're like, what, you know, it's just negative training across the board. And, and just, it just muddies the water for this kind of, you know, situation. Without question. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's my whole thing. I just feel like, um, you know, the real deal people that are not, you know, rich millennials caught up in like trying to <laughs> act like they've got it so tough and they're going to like back the movement, whatever. It's like, well, why are you backing it? Do you even right. like understand? And it's somebody like you, because that's what I was going to ask. Like, I assume you've had experiences in your past just because the minute somebody figures out they're pulling you over, they, they're, they're pulling off the dark skinned guy and they kind of handle you a little oh. different. I mean, you've had it. Your oh, life, for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, I've been, I've been uh, pulled over for um, supposedly smoking, what is it, uh, Oxycontin in a Walgreens parking lot. I mean, the situation was unusual. Uh, so you know that I'm a, a, a car enthusiast and I yeah, owned absolutely. A, a Magnum. And so this was when I was living in Bothell. I, I bought a, uh, I put a 2800 stall converter into my Magnum. And um, also purchased a Mopar um, transmission control module that I had to train. And so when you tr- when, when you these charge control modules, if if you don't train it, it will always shift really aggressively. So you have to um, and it's so it's a, it's a learning ECU. So what you have to do is you have to you know, after you install it, you go and you warm up the car and then you drive it in a way that would be incredibly erratic to anybody else you know um in traffic where you drive to like 30 miles an hour and then you let it coast almost back down to 10 and then you do that five or six times and then you go up to 60 and um let it coast back down um in different gears so that so i had to do that in the middle of the night so imagine okay so i have a loud ass lowered magnum right that has tinted windows and i leave my my house at about 1 a.m. and park at the Walgreens to let the car warm up um, to begin this whole process. So I'm sitting in the parking lot and an unmarked Caprice comes in, right? And I have aftermarket um, HID lights that were on. And so when he pulled in front of me, I turned off the lights to be considerate, right? Yeah. So the guy goes through, kind of slows down, but then he leaves the parking lot. 
So I don't think anything of it again, right? And so I let my car warm up and then I leave um, the Walgreens parking lot and then I go out basically down um, out of the neighborhood and from Bothell into Bellevue at 1.30 in the morning and I'm on the interstate um, driving um, in an erratic fashion. So I'm going you know, up to 30 miles an hour slowing down, whatever. Doing that for two hours. I come back to town, I come back to Boston. So now it's like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning and I have to let the car cool down. So after I'm done with that process, I, um, and I'm basically at 228th and Buffalo Everett Highway. As soon as I leave the 7-Eleven that was there or the Shell Station, I get right up over 405, um, the 405 overpass there over Buffalo Everett and I get lit up by a police officer. So I pull over and I wait. And then another police officer comes. And then a third, fourth, fifth. So now there's five fucking cop cars there. Right. And so I'm like, well, this is, this is not good. And uh, I'm waiting there for about maybe 10 minutes. And then the Caprice, that, um, the unmarked car that I saw at the Walgreens parking lot comes up and uh, you know, I have all my windows down. So I, I know the drill, man. So like I rolled all my windows down. I kept my hands on the steering wheel, you know, respectful. And this dude, he's straight out of fucking super troopers. And, you know, as far <laughs> as an undercover cop's concerned, he's got the flannel shirt, a big old bushy mustache, right? Little chubby, you know, jeans. It, it was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, uh, this must be an episode of Punk or something. But he comes up and he's like, hey, so uh, what have you been doing? And I was like, oh, well, I've, um, you know, and it's, it's fall. It's pretty cold to have a big old parka jacket on. And I start telling them the whole rigmarole that, hey, I'm, you know, trying to train my traction control or my uh, transmission control unit, you know, and, and he has no fucking interest in any of that, right? So he cuts <laughs> me off. <laughs> and he said, were you at the Walgreens a couple hours ago? I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I was actually at the Walgreens. And he was all like, what were you doing there? Well, like I said, I was warming up my car and then he interrupts me again before I can go into that. And, goes, and th this question was so bizarre. Was do you know of drugs? <laughs> and so it, my inter it, like internally, I'm like, is this a trick question? I think I'm going to answer in the safest way possible. So my reply, which sounds fucking ridiculous, is no, sir, I don't know of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> He goes, well, uh, you know, um, when you left that Walgreens parking lot, we found um, some aluminum foil with, um, you know, some some oxycontin in it. I was like, oh, okay. Like, would you know anything about that? I was like, no, sir, I would not. He goes, well, would you mind if I search your car? Okay, and then, okay, inner dialogue. I do not have to let this motherfucker actually search my car, right? right? But this is in my neighborhood, Bothell, for one. And if I, if I resist in any shape, form, or fashion, like, it's going to go south for me. It's just the way that it fucking is. It's, he's already fucking aggressive. I haven't done shit. I thought I was in trouble because they caught me doing, like, you know, some erratic bullshit on the interstate. It had nothing to do with that. Right? He thought that I was up to some shady, you know, something shady. So I allowed him to search the car. So I, I get out of the car. And, you know, Super Trooper is basically in the car rummaging around and I'm talking to one of the younger, younger troopers and he has to frisk me, right? And I have this big parka jacket on. And I was like, hey, do you want me to take this jacket off so you can and The kid, and he was a younger guy, like he knew this was bullshit. He was like, no, no, you can just keep it on. He, I, he barely frisked me. I could have had a fucking sawed off shotgun and he wouldn't have fucking noticed. Right. He just didn't, didn't care, right? And so... We start bullshitting about the car and everything. And about 10 minutes later, one of the other officers that, you know, came to uh, back him up was like, hey, are you done yet? He goes, I didn't find anything yet. And I was like, excuse me, what do you mean yet? Right. And then he spent maybe another 30 seconds in there and then thanked me for my compliance and then let me go. So the next day, uh, I get on the LX forums, uh, which is the platform that the 300C, the Magnum, and the Charger are all based off of. Right. And, and told them about the experience. 
And I am kind of an outlier as far as the, that demographic for that type of car and for the type of shit that I did. Right. It's usually, because it's a bunch of, you know, uh, red-blooded Americans, you know, like Mopar, <laughs> no car kind of folks, right? Right. And uh, mostly white. And they're like, man, I would have never let them search my car. I would have told them to pound sand. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know you probably would have, but right. yeah, that, that would not have ended well for me. So it, you know, that's just one example of how I, you know, have been profiled, harassed, and assumed to be a criminal. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, that guy had zero right to fucking search my shit. Right. Like, and um, that's, and I'm a pretty polite person. You right. know what I mean? I, like, it, it had nothing to do with my demeanor. Uh, he just looked at my, my car saw me in the car and already he, he thought for sure he had me hook, line and sinker. He was like, I'm going to find a shitload of drugs in this dude's car. Absolutely. And it, it's disappointing, you know, but you know, that's, I kind of came to terms with it. You know, it's kind of the, and I've learned to maneuver around it. I mean, I, the way I figure it, if, if, if I, you know, if my number comes up with some, you know, guy that's, um, an officer that has a, you know, has an issue with, with me for whatever reason, angry, then that's just my time. But I know that I'm not going to, I've got enough tools in my, um, in my arsenal, I guess. I, I don't know a better way to put it, but and on how to deal with that type of shit. Like, don't escalate, you know, but I'm also not going to be a pushover you know, and allow them to walk all over me either. You know, I think that knowing what I know now, I might have pushed back a little bit more, but because um, they could have planted some shit. I mean, we've, we've already seen videos of cops doing that type of shit. So, right, right. You know, it, it's, it's just a matter of, you know, if you get the, depending on your neighborhood, I'm, I'm thinking Bothell isn't renowned for um, people planning shit. Like if I was in Chicago, yeah. Yeah, I I probably wouldn't have let him search it cuz yeah, that's you know, a, a different environment altogether, but I digress. Yeah, it I've 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 been profiled. Um I've I've had to deal with you know, subversive racism in the type of work that I do because I'm a software developer. Like I have I can count on um all the tales that I have on how many other black people that I've worked with. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's, um, and it's interesting. The, the, the guy that helped me, um, he used to own a, um, a consulting firm. He, he told me straight up, he was like, Al, you're good at what you do, but I wouldn't hire you because of the way that you talk. And, and I was so offended. I was so offended. Uh, and I was like, what exactly, you know, and I, I, I'm so far removed from that, but, you know, I used to say things like, you know, uh, what do you mean? Or, uh, you know, what's going down? You know, that, that, you know, it was a little bit more hip, right? A little right. bit more urban. Right. And, you know, what he tried to impress upon me was, you know, the assumption that somebody that has a Southern accent is an idiot, right? Um, we know that that's, you know, that, that's a false statement. Um, but from a consulting standpoint, right, he doesn't have, he, he can't afford that level of, um, of assumption when he's putting somebody in front of a customer. He wants someone that is going to gain a person's trust from the get-go because of the way that society is set up, right? So he's like, go work on your, you know, on your, on your, your speech and give it a go then. And you know, 20 years later, you know, I'm at top of my field. So, I mean, it was, it was good advice, which wasn't, it was racial in the sense that it was more about breaking a stereotype than he was definitely trying to raise me up versus push me down. And I, I think that, uh, and yeah, and it just comes with experience, right? Like I took like offense to that, but I was, I had enough sense to say, well, maybe he has a point. 
because it, you know, just as I said about you, when I thought, when, when my initial feel that you weren't trying to be um, demeaning, I believe that was true. Right. You know, when, when you corrected me. And I think that was exactly what he had. Um, it, I'm still friends with the guy. In fact, I, I work with his son. Like, um, he's, he was my peer. Now he is, he is now my boss. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, I've, I've met some, some fantastic, fantastic people that are white that are, uh, I hate to use this word, uh, woke in the sense that they, they just understand the way that things work from just a basic fucking level, right? right. They can see, read between the lines and understand that, yeah, there is a certain line you have to, to basically, a line that you have to toe in order to get things done. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, the, that particular not blueprint, but that, that path is, is, is altering because I think we are evolving socially, but it's, it's been painful and, but that's how you know that you're growing, right? Right. Well, that's a big thing in general, just with, there's pathways that, you know, that's a big one, um, in the racial tension, you know, how somebody speaks, how somebody dresses, how somebody, you know, how they live their lives and culturally and things like that. And there's, you mm -hmm. know, different aspects of that it's been, it, it happens in, you know, it's happened in my industry in certain aspects. And it's funny because it's never offensive or whatever, but like I'm in an industry as an airline pilot when back in the day, like the fighter pilots coming out of world war two, like the captain was the boss. And like, if the plane's mm -hmm. going down and somebody's like, Hey, don't you think you should try this? And the guy's like, shut the hell up. I'm the captain. And I'm going to kill us all. It's like, so we, right? we've evolved to where it's like, we have a whole training aspect that changed the culture um, mm -hmm. and whatnot. And it's now, okay, if you see something, say something, not necessarily from right. a security standpoint, it's like, Hey, why don't we try this and do it as a team? So there's mm -hmm. definitely, you know, things like that happen in culture and, and industries and whatever. I, I, again, that's, that's my typical white guy answer because it's like, I've never had the impression of that, but it's, there's something to be said, like you said, you eventually understood it. It's, but it's the messaging on it. It's like, you know, I think that happens a lot. Right. And, and what's going on now right. is like mm -hmm. you go to the Midwest to have these conversations during this whole process. And it's like, oh, well, you know, those those people talk funny and they dress funny and they're all lazy and they're this. That, you know. It's like, OK, well, but maybe the guy that talks funny and dresses funny because I heard a pretty good podcast. I don't know if you ever listened to Radiolab. They had a kid who kind of just told your same story of the mm -hmm. getting pulled over. And like the whole time that I going through his stuff, like his like. PhD um, thesis is like is in his bag <laughs> popping out. So yeah, his pants were sagging and he had a, you know, mm -hmm. his language wasn't what they expected and whatever. And he was being cordial and whatever. But it's like, it never got in their mindset that they're like, just because he talks funny, dresses funny and doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. carry himself like you expect him doesn't mean the dude's got his PhD on uh, RNA in his wow. bag. And I was just like, that's, that's the kind of stuff that kills me. It's like, mm -hmm. um, should you know, nobody, I don't necessarily agree that nobody should tell somebody how to kind of like carry themselves better. Cause I don't think that I was, you know, uh, different times in my life. I've improved, you know, my professionalism and stuff like that. But oh, for sure. at the end of the day, if you want to go home and do that in your own time or whatever, cause it does have a professional aspect. It's just easier for somebody to say that to you. It would never be in reverse. Like if I walked into, um, you know, let's say I walked into an African-American culture center and like totally talked mm -hmm. like the crazy white guy. And they're like, you know, you need to work on your your slang and have more street knowledge and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's funny. It's just because we don't have to go that direction. It's hard for us to kind of like, you know, flip that around. But yeah. It's, oh, for sure. It's mm -hmm. um, I, I think that, you know, the conversation like gentrification and however you want to. I mean, that can be just a broad subject. But, you know, at, oh, the, end, sure. at the end of the day, it's like kind of what we said at the beginning it's like you want to be mm -hmm. crazy you want to put on uh, a ku klux klan outfit when you go home and, and hang out with your friends and talk about it that's fine but the minute you walk out to your door to hurt somebody that's when it gets over the line yep uh, and exactly then the minute you know i don't you guys have a lot going on up in seattle right now I, i'm not familiar oh, yeah. with it i don't i honestly haven't watched the news in probably two months i just it's stopped healthy. 
stopped Earth. paying attention. <laughs> uh, I get a little bit off of Facebook and whatever, but it's like everybody's so outraged in this outrage culture about whatever side they're on and, and you right. know, everybody's wrong if you're on the other side and, you know, um, yeah, it's I don't know. Um, that's, it, it's got to change and people, but we're so far, the, the outliers are so uh, prevalent, you know, or not the outliers, the, the extremists on both sides are so prevalent. Right. They're so loud. And yeah. getting, and getting better at it. And um, I mean, that's, that kind of brings me, I'm going to, finish up here on my side with the happy thoughts i think the funniest thing i heard today watching the podcast and i'm actually excited about it i almost got online to buy a bumper sticker was um <laughs> dwayne johnson for 2020 i don't know if you've seen any of the rock for 2020 oh man no he is exactly what we need right now i i, I have been <laughs> so excited since i saw that it'll have no momentum and they'll somehow turn him apart but i mean that that's my man crush if i could go on a go to dinner oh, with somebody sure. and chat with that guy it's like just the energy and like that's exactly what we need is like a superman in the white house that doesn't need the salary and doesn't need the ego and whatever and it's like just supportive and whatever so i think that i'm gonna do whatever i can to support that i don't know if that's gonna go anywhere but it was uh on another podcast and they were talking about uh i guess something in vegas he's like moved up the mm-hmm the odds list in Vegas to even be one of the, I don't think he's running or talking about running, but sure. that is totally what we need. We need somebody with good energy and, and things like that. Cause you know, all this stuff about the, the virus, it makes me laugh because nobody's saying anything. And I'm kind of stealing from another person's conversation, but it's like, nobody's mm-hmm. saying anything about, they're saying about the mask, wash your hands, but nobody's like, Hey, go for a walk and exercise, go eat, eat healthy greens, get your immune mm-hmm. system to fight this thing up. It's like all this right. like fear and, and terror and get all the kids out, out of schools and in their homes to increase depression and screw everything up. But nobody's like, let's think of ways we can, you know, increase our immune system and, and do a better job of fighting it. If you, you know, let's say you don't wash your hands enough. Let's say your mask doesn't work and you've got it. The last line of defense is all your immune system. And it's like, there's no conversation mm-hmm. about that. So, right. No, um, that's true. And you see and somebody like this guy, you know, he's mm-hmm. pro fitness and you know, no, nobody, we all don't need to look like the rock, but we, at least like some motivation, you know, and things like oh, that. Oh, without question. So without it's like question. you see something like that and, and you go run a mile the next day. It's like mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing we need. We don't need somebody in the White House that eats um, McDonald's and is proud of it. You know, that's oh, right. That's right. That's not what we need right now. And I, I can't say that the other option is any better. I don't see a picture of fitness and that. No, um, I, not that it's a happy thought, but I'll talk about that a little bit, because basically for me, uh, knowing what I know about being a white guy in, the, in America, I don't think that the other side of the aisle is putting anybody that's less racist than any other old white man. And that's why when no. you see somebody like a Dwayne Johnson, it's like the, the dude's, uh, I think he's uh, Islander, Pacific Islander. Yeah, he is Polynesian. Polynesian half, so. I think he's half uh I think his dad was half black and half uh, Samoan. Yeah. So there's a yeah. guy that's lived your mm-hmm. life, similar background of like knowing a little bit, but doesn't mm-hmm. like wear it on their sleeve. Like, you know, not like a, a angry. He's not an angry black man or anything like that. He's just mm-hmm. he's got the positive energy for whatever color you are and stuff like that. So oh, that's my sure. that's my crazy thing. Like I said, I was on Amazon getting ready to order a bumper sticker. But um, I think that 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 was kind of my happy thought for the day. It was like that would be huge it's so cliche like another famous person but we need positive energy we need somebody that's willing to be wrong or or uh you know be a little over the top in a positive manner not tear everybody else down so no he is he is definitely um yeah you know what i'll i'll end on that too because dwayne johnson is is a great place to end because he is a fantastic human being uh, on on many levels uh one of the ones that i I'm really impressed with is the fact that he's willing to talk about his um, mental health, which I think was, has been such a taboo thing to talk about for such a long time. And to see someone who is as, you know, perceived as this manly, uh, you know, unbreakable, you know, unit, right. To to hear him talk about his fallibility and um, how depression really affected his life but uh i see a lot of um you know with suicide and all you know and people just losing hope like he was there 
you know, and, and the fact that he talks about it, I think, is um, kind of endearing is not quite the word, but it gives people that are in a dark place hope, right? And he does it every day. Like, the, like he wakes up and um, does a, a wake-up call to all of his followers on Twitter, yeah. you know, to get them amped up to go work out and shit. I mean, like, like right as the mail, man, just all the time. He's just doing positive shit, doing the right thing. He just, he seems to be like, you're, you're, and, and he's, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, he, he still jokes around, you know, pokes fun, but he also makes fun of himself. I mean, he just, he seems like a genuine person. And yeah, I'm, I'm all, I'm down for, like Dwayne, yeah, fucking run. Yeah. I, I'm it's, definitely it's, down for that. I, f- I feel like we're in a movie right now, anyway. So this is just another, you know, sequel to this crazy movie that we're living. in. I thought, you know what? That's hey, so, might as well make it a yes. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, that'll, that'll be the tri- that'll be the trilogy, maybe. But um, yeah, it's it's a crazy time, and and that's the kind of thing you know we need to stop pointing at each other and you know let somebody like that get in and just have a different perspective, not politics, not money. Cause that politics mm-hmm. and money is what's got us in the bad spot. And I know that's kind of cliche, oh, sure. but it's like, it's real world problems. People that have been sad, people that have been down on their luck, people that have worked hard to get where they're at and, and, mm-hmm. and people that aren't able to get where they need to be, get that motivation and get the push from, from stuff like that. So yeah, I, oh, I think sure. that, that, that is more a, you know, uh, an ideal of what I think we should head towards who knows, you know, with the drama we have in this political system that would probably not get the traction, but just the idea of it, it's like something to, to build on moving forward or just kind of a movement that, um, you know, let the election be what the election is, but have the real movement be, you know, independent community. of all that and, and right. get the community and, and, and get everybody back. But um, yeah, I think this uh, went well. I think, Basically, we'll keep an eye on, you know, different ideas, see how everybody schedules it. We might uh, grab some other people to chat with us on this, but I think it's a good start just kind of seeing. Absolutely. Talking about the stuff I was, uh, you know, like to share how um, this all got started. You know, I, I definitely felt it was good to reach out to you as another human being that understood something that I was troubled with from another perspective. And For that's sure, what man. we should be able to do. And that's um, instead of saying, Oh, I'm just going to stay with my team and I'm going to feel how I feel. Cause if I, if I step <laughs> across and, and talk to this uh, crazy looking guy over here, you know, I might, people might start to judge me. So, but Indeed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. But, Fuck all that. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. you did. Yeah. For sure. So, <laughs> all right. We'll have to do this again. Um, I'll send you a copy. We'll, take a listen to it see if we want to push it out and and get other people involved so sounds perfect all right man have a good afternoon all right you too all right see ya